0: Tonight's presentation of A Lap Around Montefino is brought to you by The New Fall Line by Bruno Gallo In stores, this fall, Bruno Gallo A Lap Around Montefino, Sector 3 The final sector of the Circuito de Montefino kicks off as drivers re-enter town, rushing down della Croce through the center of the city. Kicking up dust and swirling debris, Lotera wrappers and empty bags of calamari crisps. Drivers shift up through the gears before flinging their machines to the left into turn 14, the famed biscotti bank. Just off from the lively Biscotti Garden and world-famous Biscotti di Montefino factory, fans pack the sacred grounds of Biscotti master Alessio Bartoli as racers flash by in seventh gear, entering the fastest part of the circuit. Referred to in the region as Cantochi, Montefino was synonymous with biscotti. Its origins date back to 1905, when local baker, Alessio Bartoli, opened a small shop along the town's main thoroughfare, where he offered two versions of his flavorful biscuits, plain and mint sardine. They were cherished equally. Over the years, these tasty treats gained global notoriety inspiring both North American and Asian variations, each featuring sausage and ketchup. Today, the factory produces over 100 different varieties shipped worldwide, from their mashed cherry pit paste to their praised smoked eggs with in-shell pine nuts. Visitors to the factory will find a preserved bottle of Sattarini Vino Santo the same wine Bartoli used to soak a sample from his first batch of twice-baked history, after a proved too dry for human consumption, a formula that remains unaltered after 100 years. In the factory cellar, there sits, set back in the limestone foundation of the Montefino Rock, a heavily guarded walk-in steel vault a meter thick, housing the Bartoli's secret recipe of flour, eggs, and sugar. Along with their original 1905 starter yeast, famous for its complex makeup of bacterial flora and volcanic ash from the catastrophic eruption of Mount Punzanelli in 1798. The factory heightened security in 1959 after a group of professionals was hired by a rival biscotti company from the south of Italy to penetrate the vault and extract the priceless starter dough. The heist culminated with a fabled getaway aided by a tri-colored squad of enclosed Rosari scooters, green, white, and red, cutting through narrow alleyways and down the hallowed steps of Francisco into the crowded Piazza di Galate. The iconic chase was so cinematic, it was mimicked in the 1960 British caper, Take the Biscuit and Run. Out of the bank, drivers find eighth gear, reaching speeds over 290 kilometers per hour. As they break for the sea, bolting toward the marina, fading right to left, to set up for a quick 6th gear slice through the cruise ship chicane. Here, Brazilian driver Paulo Ferreira collected a train of runaway Ashate cases under the front wing of his turbocharged P2 Hopper during the 1987 Grand Prix. Ferreira was forced to enter the pits, where his crew rushed to clear the wing of his Stryker Airlines racecraft covered in shaving cream and tangled with floral resort wear. During the 87 broadcast, legendary Formula Alpha commentator James Harvey, the series' authoritative voice for over 30 years, widely known for his signature cadence and seamless puns, pointed out that the owner of the luggage had lavish taste in sleepwear, when the English sportscaster successfully identified a tattered set of Alfie Ruskin silk pajamas. Whizzing by the cruise terminal, drivers blast out of the chicane and speed down the beachside boulevard of Costiero. They race by the exclusive Montefino Yacht Club, Constructed in 1953 by Giulio Margarita, the former Marquess of Montefino. Its establishment was designed by Margarita to preserve favor with the city after reports uncovered from the war revealed his interest in converting the entire Montefino waterfront into the world's largest drive in movie theater. His wartime journal, displayed today behind glass inside the club's classy Privilegio Ristorante, consists of a series of sketches and poster drawings for movies he imagined would be screened. Giant Centipede meets Space Moth, Robot Mannequin, Invasion of the Colossal Beach Bunnies from Crete. With two central piers stretching out into the deep blue waters of the Porto di Neptuno, the private social club plays host to a fleet of eight and nine figure luxury super yachts. With names like Vittoriosa and the hard life, these floating mansions are perfect for entertaining either a cast of celebrities or the weekend's royalty. This year, a steady buzz around the marina surrounds the much-awaited mooring of the 100 meters Turkey-constructed mega-yacht, Poseidon's Tug, owned by Saudi Prince Sami Aboud on its maiden trip around the world. In 1996, one week before the Grand Prix, Australian driver and spokesman for Miguel Trujillo Coffee, Jaden King, a celebrated heel and toe ace with a passion for spending, slipped on the deck of his custom Dutch Royal yacht, the Ballast Buster, snapping his ankle. A private investigation into the incident later revealed a disastrous miscalculation from the vessel's crew when they fitted King for deck shoes with an intermediate tread, as opposed to the full wet. King went on to watch the race from the harbor that year on his $30,000, 45-inch big screen TV. Approaching the end of the boulevard, drivers slip around the historic Salvi Fountain for turns 17 and 18, known as the Fountain, or formerly the Fountain Chicane, AKA Fountain Square, AKA Fountain, AKA The Wets. Built as a war memorial to the Italian Navy, this honored symbol of the Montefino Battery has seen a century's worth of waterlogged engines and airborne chassis. In 1929, Fabio Valletta's silver and red nibbly racecraft, which took victory in the inaugural Tangier Rally one month earlier, cartwheeled across the top of the water, fatally injuring Valletta, despite his state-of-the-art knitted racing toboggan. Safety measures, which at the time were seen as excessive and considered by most drivers unnecessary, or as expressed by British racer and champion horse breeder Lionel Figgins in the Snellgrove Daily Express, roaringly droll before being thrown from his personal three-valve 2.0-liter crimpler during a fender bender outside a Wilshire Café. The fountain's trident-harpoon mashup, held by the symbolic statue of a lone, weathered sailor with the tail of a merman, punctured the fuel cell of Pierre Dolbert's backup car as it went flying over the Sylvie Fountain in an arcing trail of fire in 1949. The Frenchman suffered scratches and a severed pinky toe that plagued the nine-time Formula Alpha race winner for the rest of his competitive career a period that saw Dober take 28 more victories and two world championship titles. It isn't all career-ending incidences at the wets, as proven in 1976 during the late-night victory skinny dip of Basil Pentecost. After winning the semi-centennial Grand Prix, the Willoughby racing driver and his girlfriend, Vera Oliveira, Brazilian TV host and former video jockey, along with their inseparable lifelong friend, Teddy (laughs) Collinsworth, bared all for a celebratory frolic in the monumental waters of the Selby. <laughs> While sitting naked on the side of the fountain, the trio enjoyed a magnum bottle of Chateau Longry brut before drunkenly diving into a sack of Jolly Burgers from the chain's first and highly popular European location. After the fountain, drivers squeeze in a quick tap of throttle before navigating a tight line into turn 19, the penultimate corner. This hairy and often problematic right-hander, due to its elevated exit and barriers that leave little margin for error, is known as the Baths. Home to the most optimistic of dives to the inside. Resulting in a traffic jam collision year after year, the baths is named for the nearby swimming pool and sea bath complex where four time world champion Giuseppe Severino was kidnapped before the 1957 Grand Prix. The Montefino resident and race favorite was abducted from his changing tent at the Santa Corso Baths before his customary pre race dip. The kidnappers, a group of fanatical Yugoslavian rebels, with a passion for racing and a hatred for the dominating Severino, whose motives, later stated by their leader in the press, were in the interest of changing up the podium a bit. Seppi, as fans knew him, was dragged into the back of a King's tobacco truck and taken to the insurgents' hideout in the mountains. Fortunately for Seppi, the United States' central intelligence agency posed as a privateer racing team in their first Formula Alpha entry, put in place to take down Severino, whom they mistakenly interpreted as the head of the Belgrade-based organization, witnessed the abduction from their pit stall. The slip-up began back in the States, at the hands of a CIA agent, who, in a series of comically advantageous situations including the serendipitous sting known internally as Operation Gnocchi Overload, managed to convince the agency that he spoke fluent Italian to further his pursuit of a young Langley receptionist by the name of Pantaloni. Meanwhile, back in Europe, the small band of Yugoslavian rebels was undergoing round-the-clock surveillance from the United States, in their investigation of counterfeit radio smuggled out of the socialist states through respective Western channels. After storming the hideout of ex-revolutionaries, agents were able to recover Severino unharmed. They presented him to the paddock just after the start of the Grand Prix, following a very apologetic drive down the mountain. Unfortunately, his drive for a third consecutive Montefino victory would fall just short, coming across the line in fourth after an inspired drive from three laps down. However, in all the chaos, the CIA-sponsored racing team of Tito's corn chips and tamale filler finished the 57 Grand Prix on the second step of the podium. This in fact would be their first of two top three career finishes. Proceedings later labeled as Tamale Gate by Formula Alpha journalist Morris Patterson. The second podium coming in 1981 during surveillance of the suspect Soviet Union-backed Afghan racing team whose cars had solid red liveries with a hammer and sickle on the nose. The final turn of the esteemed circuit, Annetta Viscotti, or A. Viscotti, racers are met with another tight and tricky right-hander bringing them back onto the finish start straight of Camerone viale while avoiding a significant bump in the middle of the racing line. Named for the wife of the race's original organizer in 1926, after she remarked to her husband that the city would make for the site of a magnificent race, It was here Austrian rally champ Lucas Muller was released from his two-year contract with the British racing squad Radford Motors after getting sideways on the exit of a Visconti as he had been doing all weekend. Losing valuable time but looking cool, the team fired Muller on his penultimate tour of the circuit during the 1978 Grand Prix, informing him via the pit board on the front straight next to a pile of his personal effects. On the final lap, the hard headed, drifting motorsport veteran from the hills pulled off onto the escape road at turn one and parked his machine outside La Capella Rosa Cafe. He went inside, sat down at a table with friends, and ordered a Kruger of Schmelgemeiser before asking Bunny to change the radio to the Group C matchup of the Schwarzburg AU Club and the EKC Lions or Bulls on home ice. 20 historic corners, stretching just under 4 kilometers, a grand coliseum of wheel-to-wheel combat with gladiators of flesh and blood. Win or lose, live or die, Montefino endures, enshrined in its landscape. production of Thaddeus Ellenberg's Casual Friday. Written and read by Thaddeus Ellenberg with an introduction by Nicole Kelisich and artwork by Adrian Lobel. This series is independently produced by Thaddeus Ellenberg. To find more episodes and information, visit our website at tecasualfriday.com or email us at contact.casualfriday at gmail.com.